Acts chapter 13, take your Bible to go there. Um, of course, uh, this is the last Sunday of Missions Emphasis Month. By the way, church, uh, uh, I don't know how you feel about Missions Emphasis Month, but my heart's been touched this month. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, whether you might understand the whole uh, concept of missions or not, uh, it sure has been a blessing to have these different missionaries here this month and to uh, kind of uh, look outside of our bubble. Amen? And I get it, folks. We live, uh, you know, we're where God's put us. Uh, Geographically, we're here. God's put us here. And, uh, but you know, folks, there's a lot, there's a big world outside of Gibson County. Amen? And uh, there's a big world when it comes to uh, what's going on in our state, our country, in our world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to have our eyes open to that because Jesus wants for us to have our eyes open to that. Amen? And so I've, I've, I've enjoyed having uh, these uh, different guests with us through the month. And uh, what I want to do this morning uh, is uh, piggyback off our theme uh, there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 about being prepared to good works. And I want to kind of wrap Missions Emphasis Month up all together and uh, kind of uh, let you know as far as what we can do about it. Amen. And uh, here's what I'm titling the message this morning, The Good Work of Missions. Amen. The good work of missions. So if you find your place in Acts chapter 13, uh, to stand with me as we read the scripture, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, Acts chapter 13. The Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Serene and, and Mananin, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, laid the hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at uh, Salmus, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We again thank you for all you do for us, God. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. Now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, Holy Spirit, we ask that you be very active in our midst this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work on our hearts. We ask that you would uh, impress the things, Lord, that uh, you would have for us to do. And I ask, God, you bless us and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, many of you, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, uh, understand what the book of Acts is. It literally are the acts of the apostles and the beginning of the New Testament church. And of course, Jesus Christ established the church when he was here on earth. And the church is unlike any other institution that's ever been or ever will be. Amen? Amen. It literally was founded by Christ. It was empowered by Christ. The church was promised divine perpetuity, meaning the church will never cease to exist. Amen? And it's unlike any other organization that's ever been. God, of course, established different organizations down through time. The first organization God established was, of course, the family. Amen? All the way back in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, one man, one woman for life till death do them part. And that was the family. Should it be a big surprise that Satan tries to attack the institutions God has divinely established? He's always done that, always will do that. 
Uh, he attacks the family. And uh, then, of course, God established his own nation, the people, the nation of Israel. Uh, of course, that started with Abraham. And I'm reading through that right now uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, the, the different um, uh, nations of Israel and what's going on with them uh, there as, as you start chasing that through the different kings and that kind of thing. But the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And then Jesus Christ, of course, established a church. And now, uh, what you find in the book of Acts, then, is the beginning of the church and the different things the church was doing as it began to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church, of course, uh, was empowered on the day of Pentecost. and it's But you know what? God didn't want just Jerusalem affected by His gospel. He wanted the world affected by His gospel. And that's what you see there as you go through the book of Acts and you, and you begin uh, reading about different people. Of course, one of the main characters is the Apostle Paul, who started out as Saul, but then God transformed him into the Apostle Paul. And one of the things, the main thing God used Paul to do was to journey, go on what's known as missionary journeys, taking the gospel to different people as the gospel began to spread through the known world at the time. Of course, when Paul first started out, he was going to the Jews. And eventually, God would send him to the Gentiles, but he first started out going to the Jews. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 13. Uh, we see how the, uh, there at Antioch, uh, Barnabas and, and Saul, God called them out. He separated them out. And I love what it says, for the work whereunto I have called them. Let me just say this, folks. Ministry, men that give their life full-time to ministry, it's a calling of God. Amen? It's a calling of God. Listen, folks, let me tell you why I'm a pastor today. It's not because I chose this for myself. God chose this for me. Amen? And and, and God impressed upon my heart when I was just 12 years old that He wanted me to be in ministry. He called me to that, just as He called Saul and Barnabas here in the book of Acts. And so Saul and Barnabas began to go and begin to go to different places and begin spreading the gospel uh, throughout the known world at the time. And of course, as a result of that, folks, that's why we're saved today. Amen? Because the gospel didn't just stay with those 12 apostles, didn't just stay with Saul and Barnabas. It began to spread like a wildfire throughout the world and did exactly what God wanted it to do, start impacting people from all over. Now, as we begin to see this, there's several things we see. And I just want to share with you a few things this morning. I'm going to relate that, then to this church and what God wants for us to do when it comes to our responsibility. Because, by the way, folks, God hasn't changed His mind. Amen? God is immutable. God doesn't change. And when God set the precedence in the book of Acts, He wanted His church to continue that until He comes back to get us out of here. Amen? And the last time I checked, we're not in heaven. All right? I'm glad this ain't heaven. We're still on earth. We still ought to be busy. We still ought to be doing what they were doing in the book of Acts. So let's take a look at some things here this morning about the good work of missions. Number one, let's look at this. The good work of going. The good work of going. Look what it says there at verse 3. At the end of verse 3 in Acts chapter 13, it says this, They sent them away. They sent them away. And you know one thing you find out when it comes to getting the gospel out, okay? you got to go to where the people are at. Amen? you got to go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is known as the Great Commission. And uh, the first word of that commission says this, Go. Amen? Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 16, and he saith unto them, Jesus saith to them, Go ye 
into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me tell you what I found out when it comes to people being saved. Okay, I'm not saying that occasionally somebody doesn't come to, come to church and get saved by coming to church. That does happen from time to time. Let me just tell you this. That's not where the majority of the people get saved at. You know where they get saved at? Out in the highways and the hedges and the byways. It's where Christians take the gospel to them. Amen? And that's the whole point of missions is to go. Now let me just kind of correct the notion here. Some people think that missions only occur in a foreign land. Now let me say this. There obviously may be bigger opportunities there. There may be larger needs there. But let me just be very honest with you, very biblical with you this morning. Missions is wherever there's people. Amen. That's where missions is at. That's why the sign above the back door says this, you are now entering the mission field. Because when we leave the walls of this church, we're going out where there's people. Amen? And where there's people, there is a mission field. Now listen, I'm so thankful for our missionaries that are in the countries they're in right now. They're either in those countries or are getting ready to go to those countries. And if you read those missions letters on the wall back there, it talks about that. But folks, listen, you don't have to be in a foreign country or some remote place around the world to be on the mission field. Because right. truth be told, you know what? Everywhere you go where there's people, it's a mission field. Amen. Let me show you something here. This is nothing new. I've taught this to you before. Uh, but being Mission Emphasis Month, I want to explain it a little bit and kind of give you our philosophy about it. Acts chapter 1. You know where I'm going, amen? amen. Acts chapter 1. And uh, what we see here is that Jesus, right before he ascended back to heaven, he, he, uh, he equipped his disciples and he gave them some instruction. And Jesus here used the specific geographical locations of the early church to teach a formula of when and how a local assembly is to be involved in missions. All right? That famous verse that uh, we, we know and we quote and we ought to. Amen? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And uh, this really was the last words that uh, Jesus uh, gave to his disciples before he went back into heaven. Here's what it says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I'm glad that we don't have to be involved in this in our own strength, in our own power. But let's tell you right now. Humanly speaking, human strength, it's impossible. Right. But you know what? Thank God we have, we serve it, the God of the impossible right. that right. makes it Amen. be possible. Yep. And the way we can do that is what it says at the first part of verse 8 with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Yep. Now listen, when you got saved, that Holy Spirit came to live in you. He didn't just come there just so, he, just so we as Christians can say, I got the Holy Spirit living in me. That's not why he's there. He's there for a reason. He's there for a purpose. And one of the main purposes he's there is to give us the power we need so we can preach the gospel. Amen. That's why he give, That's why we have it. Amen? And that's why, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit has got a bad rap, it seems like, uh, amongst people today because, you know, they're, they're proclaiming things, that they're doing things in the name of the Spirit that's not of the Bible. Amen? By the way, I'm not saying people aren't doing things of the Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Because we better remember something, folks. The Bible tells us we are to try the spirits. There's a lot of spirits roaming around out there, and people are doing a lot of things in the name of the Spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
Let me tell you the main purpose that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us is so we can have the power to do the work of God. That's why He's there. By the way, thank God for that. Amen? Amen. There's no way I would attempt to do anything I have before it, and there has, doesn't usually work out very well as far as when it comes to the spiritual work of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not preaching on that this morning, although uh, we probably could spend a lot of time preaching on that. What I'm trying to show you is, though, is the formula for going. All right? Now, notice what Jesus said. The first thing he said was this, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. By the way, let me just point this out to you real quick. Notice that, that uh, four little word there that starts with B, both. You know what that means? It's not just one area we have an obligation to. Right. We have an obligation to all of the geographical locations Jesus said. Amen. Now, we're not just talking about the physical city of Jerusalem today. He's using, again, this to the early church where they were located at as a pattern for all local churches. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem to the disciples? It was their local area, where their church was located at. So for us, instead of Jerusalem, if we were reading this for White River Baptist Church, it would say this, You shall be witnesses unto me both in Princeton. That's where it would start at. Our local area. And by the way, folks, the majority of our ministry happens in the geographical location God has planted White River Baptist Church. And that would be Princeton and Gibson County, our local area. And by the way, folks, this church at the judgment seat of Christ will be responsible, will be held accountable to whether or not we gave gospel accountability to this community. We will be held accountable. That's why, you know what? The, 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 the purpose of White River Baptist Church is to get the gospel out. Amen? Amen. And we got to get it out to Princeton and to Gibson County. He said, how do we do it? We go! That's how we do it. Listen, last time I checked, now I'm not saying it hasn't happened occasionally, but most of the time, uh, people aren't beating down the door of the church and saying, preacher, show me how to be saved. Yeah. Ain't the way it works. Yeah. Now occasionally, God will send some that His heart's prepared, but most of the time, it, the, the, those folks that we find is exactly what we do. We find them. We go to them. Amen? So how do we do it? Well, book of Acts. Acts 20.20. 20, Alright? It says this, and, and, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, and from house to house. So this idea of taking the gospel from house to house isn't a pastorizer thing. It's a Bible thing. Amen. Amen. And that's why on a consistent basis, almost every single week, folks, we're going out, we're getting the gospel from house to house in our community. Amen. How else do we reach our area? You know your place of employment is a mission field? You realize that? You realize we have, uh, 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 I want to embarrass you a little bit. I hope you don't mind, Brother Andreas. You know why Brother Andreas is here today? It's because Brother Dave saw his work as as a mission field. He was a co-worker of Brother Dave, still is. And you know what, Brother Dave began talking to Andreas, building up a relationship, inviting him to come to church, have been working on him. And the reason Andreas is here today is because Brother Dave saw his place of employment as a mission field. Amen. And by the way, you know what? Truth be told, all of our places of employment are a mission field. Yes, yes, and now that story I just said of him, I could save a lot of other people. And maybe, maybe a person didn't necessarily, hasn't got saved yet, but I know there's men in this room who are using your place of employment as a mission field. And well, we should. Amen? Amen. And well, we should. Yes, you don't work with who you work with by accident. Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't have the job you have by accident. 
God has allowed you to be where you're at. And by the way, making money is your side hustle. Yeah. Let me tell you what your real job is, getting the gospel out. Now, I understand. I'm not saying to rob your employer. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to when you ought to be working, you know, stand up on the, on a piece of machinery and get your Bible out and start preaching. You won't have that job for long. Amen? But I promise you this. There will be opportunities where you're not robbing your employer where you can witness to people. Brother Tony's sitting here this morning. He's always telling me about the different people coming through the place he works here in town he's able to witness to. Uh, talking to truck drivers coming through, handing out gospel tracts, being a witness, being a testimony. Listen, folks, that's the way it's supposed to be, amen? For every single one of us, no matter where our, where we're at, our place of employment. How about this? Our neighborhood. Again, you don't live where you live by accident. You live there because God wants you to try and get the gospel to your neighbors. Now, you know, there's some unique ways you can do that. One of the things that we've done in our neighborhood, we take our neighbors different uh, around Christmas time. Uh, we exchange gifts and things like that with them. And you know what? Uh, now, uh, we, we've done this for multiple years, but the first year we've done that, you know what was included in all of that was gospel tracts, amen? amen. And, and witnessing to our neighbors. And, and listen, folks, you know, that person you live next to has an, an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. You ought to take it as your responsibility, your burden, your burden, to get the gospel to them. Now remember, folks, we're not making anybody do anything. But we at least need to give them an opportunity to hear. Amen? And uh, those of you that go to public school, your school is a mission field. And by, and by the way, folks, if there's ever a time the public school needed Jesus Christ, it's now. Amen? And those of you that have that influence. And by the way, that's one of the things I was talking about earlier. Uh, that uh, um, I spoke with someone this week. And I have an opportunity uh, that I'll be able to get into the public school and start ministering to some of the young people there. Now, it's it's not a school sanctioned program. It's a it's a student led program, and it's just a small door. But I'm going to God gave me the opportunity. I didn't find it; it found me. Amen. I'm going to walk through that door. But listen, folks, we got to get the gospel out. Amen. And so the goal is gospel saturation in our Jerusalem, which is Princeton and Gibson County. By the way, that's why that map's on the wall back there. So we'll have a burden for our community. Gibson County has 1,100 miles of county roads. By the way, you know who's going to take the gospel 1,100 miles of county roads? Why River Baptist Church is going to do it. I don't know of any other church in this community doing that. I don't know. Maybe there is, but I've never heard of one. All I know is when we're out knocking doors and talking to people, people can't believe that a, you know, they expect if J.W. is a Mormon to do, do some of that stuff, Right. But a Baptist church, you know, is out knocking on doors. Amen? But listen, we're going to keep doing it. So our Jerusalem, our local area. But guess what? It didn't stop there. Notice what else Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Let me tell you what that means for us if we were reading it today for White River Baptist Church. Judea would be this, Indiana. Our, our regional area, the state of Indiana. By the way, folks, the reason White River Baptist Church is here today is because a church 70 miles to the north of us had a burden to plant a church in this community. That's why we're here today. By the way, churches reproduce churches. Right? Human beings reproduce human beings. It's the law of biology. It's how God set it up to be. By the way, if you're healthy, you reproduce. That's just the way it is. By the way, churches ought to be reproducing churches. Why did we go over to Jasper Friday night? Because a church birthed the church in that community. Having a part in reaching the state of Indiana. By the way, folks, i got a burden for the huger state. Amen? Uh, we were talking this morning about some of the stuff going on in Indiana. 
There is a systematic plan, satanic attack, to corrupt the state. I'm going to tell you, Indiana, you know, I don't know if we're the, I I wouldn't say we're the most conservative state, but we've always been a very conservative state. Amen? Uh, We we are a red supermajority. Okay? But all that to say, because of that, there are outside sources that funnel money into the state at the state house level to try to corrupt the state. Amen. And listen, folks, we we as Christians, we got to do something about that. Amen. Amen. We got to stand for some things. Amen. Listen, folks. Okay, you know, well, you shouldn't get political. All right. Let me just say this. All right. Uh, uh, you know, nowhere in the Bible do you find God separating Himself from government. In fact, you know who instituted government? God did. Okay. And so all that to say, you know what? We ought to be involved in certain things. Listen, folks, it's not that hard to send an email or make a phone call. In fact, they tell us that if a uh, a senator or or a a congressperson, a representative, gets 10 phone calls about a subject, that that is huge. That's that's like a a huge margin to them. I'm going to tell you, at least from what I know, there's a lot more Christians in the end than just 10. When something's going down, that they need to hear representation from, they ought to be hearing from Christians. Amen? By the way, let me give you an example of this. So back in 2020, when the COVID thing was going on, and uh, uh, our governor, uh, after the first eight weeks, uh, tried to limit public gatherings. And they put churches in that limit of public gatherings of 25 people. Okay? They came out and said, churches are included in that. That declaration, the governor's office, got flooded with so many calls from churches within that afternoon he exempted churches because churches rose up and said you're not including us in this we are going to meet and worship amen and because people made a fuss about it you know what they changed the course on it all that to say folks listen we need to have a burden for the state of indiana and i'm not just talking about in the political realm i'm talking most importantly in the spiritual realm we need to be involved in reaching the huger state how do we do that well Kind of like we did last year. We went over and helped Brother Young start that church. By the way, that ain't going to be the only church plant in the state of Indiana in the next 10 years. I can tell you that. There's going to be some more going on. We need to get involved in that. We need to help support that. And we need to do everything we can to try to reach the huger state. You know why? Because Jesus commanded us to do that twice. So Jerusalem, Judea, guess what? He ain't done yet. Aren't you glad you got the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do it? Amen? What's the next thing he says? And in all Samaria. What is Samaria? Samaria for us would be this, United States of America. You say, preacher, America? You, you mean, you mean the, the, the America, the Christian nation we live in? You really want to go there? <laughs> Listen, folks, yes, we were founded as a Christian nation. We're, we're probably no longer considered a Christian nation. I mean, I'm talking about the Christian nation that's murdered over 60 million babies legally in the last almost 50 years. Talking about that Christian nation. Talking about that Christian nation that legalizes and glorifies perverts who can't figure out what gender they are and prosecute those that stand up for traditional marriage between a man and a woman the way God defined it to be. Amen? I'm talking about this Christian nation that legalized the the gateway drug of marijuana that's leading to multiple, multiple other doors being opened for, for, for drug addiction and drug abuse. I'm talking about the Christian nation that has the highest incarceration rate in the world. I'm talking about the Christian nation where nearly 88,000 people die annually from alcohol-related causes, making it the third leading preventable cause of death. I'm talking about the Christian nation that produces, get this, 89% of the world's pornography in the Christian nation of America. You better believe we better have a part in reaching our country. 
You better believe we ought to do everything we can to reach America. They tell us, missionaries have told me, that other countries are sending missionaries to America. Now, are we still sending missionaries? Absolutely. But we've become in such a corrupt nation now that other nations... Come on, folks, what are we going to do about that? Amen? Well, here's what we can do. We can preach and uh, have, have come to preach and support evangelists that travel the country preaching, trying to stir up God's people. By the way, Brother Martin's getting ready to come in here next month. He's an evangelist. He travels from church to church trying to stir up the church and be the, 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 the moral, spiritual backbone of their community. We need to support men like that. Brother Epley, he'll be here in the fall. Same thing, travels the country, out preaching, trying to stir up churches. By the way, that's not an easy task. Okay, let me tell you, to me, being evangelist, we one of the hardest things to do. I mean, different place, week in, week out, never know what kind of response you might get from God's people, but we can support people like that. We can pray for and support godly leadership. We can be involved in politics as God leads. And most importantly, we can be the salt and light as the preserving factor of a nation. Amen. 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 Listen, it's important that we stand for our country. Amen. 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 Listen to me. Don't think for one second that there's something wrong as a Christian with being patriotic. Let me tell you, this new woke garbage going on now that tells you something's wrong with you if you love America, and you're a, they're using the term nationalism as a, as, as a bad, horrible thing to be. Let me tell you, it's not wrong to love your country. It's not wrong to think that if you're an American, this is the greatest nation on the planet, amen? I believe it is. That doesn't mean we hate other people. It doesn't mean that we don't love other people from other countries. It just means, hey, I'm an American. I love my country. Amen? Now listen, if you're a Christian and you really love America, then you need to be the godly Christian God wants you to be. Because we are the preserving factor of a nation. And then notice here what else we see. The last part of verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. And to the uttermost part of the earth. What's that talking about? It's talking about people outside the borders of our country. According to the mortality rate, from the time we started this service this morning and to the time we get in our cars to go home, don't miss this. Man, this is, this is unbelievable. How many people die per second? It tells 1.8 people die per second around the world. They say that over 69, 65 million people die every year. Now I wonder how many of those 65 million people that die every year, how many of them know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? They tell us that planet Earth is, is getting ready to, sur- to surpass 8 billion people. I wonder how many of those 8 billion people have accepted the forgiveness and love of God Almighty. Well, if you crunch the numbers, here's what you find out. 29% of the world is Muslim. That ought to scare you a little bit, by the way. 29% of the world is Muslim. 18% is Catholic. 14% is Hindu. 6% is Buddhist. 22% other religions and, and atheists. You put all those numbers together, you know what that means? 89% of the world belongs to religions that do not teach that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. So you know what that means? 89% of the world's population is on their way to hell. That's what that means. Let me tell you something, folks. How sad. The most advanced and blessed creation of Almighty God, the only ones for which God literally gave His life for, came to earth as God and died for the human race, that will most of them will spend an eternity in the lake of fire. What a sad reality. You know what a sad reality is according to Matthew chapter 7? More people will go to hell than go to heaven. Jesus said, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be that go in thereat. Many! 
Because narrow is the way. Straight is the gate that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. That, you know, let me tell you something. That, that ought to do something to us. Amen? That ought to do something to us. So my question is this. What are we going to do about it as White River Baptist Church? Can we change the fact that 89% of the world doesn't know the Savior? Well, we're not going to make it be zero, I can tell you that. But how about this? Could we make it 88.5? Can we make any kind of impact at all in people who don't know Christ the Savior? That's why we got to be involved in the good work of going. Amen? So number one, the good work of going. Number two, let me give this to you this morning. The good work of giving. The word, good work of giving. Now this kind of ties into a previous point of how we're to reach the uttermost part of the earth. Okay? Very, very simple. Okay? If God has called for me to live in this geographical location, how can I reach people in the uttermost part of the earth and still be here and still reach the state of Indiana and still reach the United States of America? How do I do that if I live here? Well, wouldn't it be nice if we had beam me up powers, right? And we could transport, you know, the Trekkies and the beam me up, Scotty. All right, there you go. You know, we could, you know, be from here to there. But that ain't the way it works. Okay? So how do we do it? I'll tell you how we do it. We send people in our place. That's the biblical pattern. Let me show you. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. If you know much about um, <clears throat> the epistles of the Apostle Paul, the church of Philippi, uh, was known as a missionary-minded church. And uh, Paul had a lot to say to them about that. And I want to look, uh, show you here, and, and then I'm going to get real practical with you to show you something really neat here. Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> let's read a couple verses beginning in verse 10. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And again, the context of this has to do with missions going, sending, and missions giving. Look what it says in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lack opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's Paul talking here. He's saying, look, I'm not saying that you know uh, what you're doing for me is so I can uh, have gain for myself. Okay, I've learned to be content in my state of life. That's what he says in verse 12. I know both how to be a base and I know how to found. Everywhere in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. By the way, let's keep Scripture in context this morning. That verse right there, Philippians 4.13, that a lot of Christians want to claim, you realize it's a promise to those that are involved in the work of God. That's what it's a promise about. Amen? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It means this. No matter how hard it gets, how, how, how difficult it gets, if I'm involved in the work of God, God will strengthen me so I can do all things. Let's keep things in context. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. And what he's saying here is this, okay? He says, listen, I commend you because that word communicate don't mean they send a text to them, okay? That's not what it means. Or an email. That word communicate means they help provide for him financially. Okay? You need to communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me or supported me financially as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now think about this, all right? Here Paul was being sent out to go, and only one church helped support him go. go. By the way, maybe they were, I think they were trying to figure this thing out. It's just new to them, sending somebody out. But thank God the church of Philippi got it. Amen. They understood the importance 
of financially sending someone in their place to go out and reach people. Notice what else it says. Verse 16. But even in Thessalonica, ye sent once again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift. Paul said, look, you didn't do it because I just want to have stuff. That's not what he's saying. It's not because I, I desire to have it for me. Look what he says in verse uh, verse 17. This is where we need to get it. We need to understand it. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Here's what Paul was saying. Look, let me tell you why it's important to give. It's not so that I can have. It's so that you're laying up treasure in heaven. Is what Paul was saying. He's saying, look, you all can't go with me. But if you send me and you support me, what I'm doing gets credited back to you as well. And that's the whole basis, folks, of having a missions program and sending people in our place. Yes, it's about the burden of reaching people, but it's also so fruit can abound to our account. It's about that ERA thing I keep talking about, eternal retirement accounts. It's about what Jesus said, laying up treasure in heaven. It's about one of these days when you get to heaven, you're not showing up empty-handed. That's what it's about. Now notice here, again, because I want to show this to you because, man, it's powerful. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You know what he's talking about? You financially provided for me. Amen? And he called it a sacrifice. Now notice verse 19. Again, keep Scripture in context. If you give to missions, if you sacrifice and send people in your place, then you can claim verse 19. Quit claiming verse 19 if you're not involved in missions. Yeah, I've heard it get quiet. Okay? Notice what he says. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? You give to missions, God takes care of you. Now let me show you something really amazing about what I just taught you. Amen? Okay? I crunched the numbers. What do they say? Numbers don't lie, right? Let me, let me show you how the economy of heaven works. Okay? I can't explain it. I'm just showing you exactly how it works. Okay? Here's the... And I'm, I'm going to be a little personal here this morning and tell you what was going on with uh, here at our local assembly in the last three years. As we tracked it, followed the numbers. Okay? In 2020, when we started 2020, we started with nine missionaries. By the way, that's a good start for a church who technically is still, was at that point, a, a missionary work themselves. Okay? We started with nine missionaries at $100 a month. Okay? So that meant uh, $900 a month uh, we were given toward missions. All right? We went from 20, in 2020, in the spring, in March and April, we picked, up, uh, we picked up six more missionaries, and then we went to 15 missionaries. So in 2020, by the end of the year, we were supporting 15 missionaries at $100 a month, okay? Our offerings that year, as we gave to missions, our offerings increased in 2020, $39,000 by the end of the year. Out of that $39,000, 18% of that went toward missions increase. So here's what that means. As we increased missions giving by 18%, God gave us an extra $32,000 over the previous year. That was 2020. Okay, let's go to 2021. We went from 15 missionaries to 22 missionaries. Okay, we increased the missions program. Okay, we picked up another seven missionaries that year. Our general increased by $61,000. We picked up missionaries, our general offerings increased. 
Of that increase, 14% went to missions, meaning as we increased missions giving by 14%, God gave us an extra $46,000 over the previous year. Okay? 2022, we went from 22 missionaries to 26 missionaries. Our general offerings increased, again, that year by $26,000. Of that increase, 18% went toward missions, meaning as we increased missions giving by 18%, God gave us an extra $21,000 over the previous year. Why did I tell you that this morning? Because I want you to see the pattern. Here's the pattern. When we give more to missions, God gives more to us. Let me tell you why. Because missions giving is the heartbeat of our God. Reaching people with the gospel. Amen? And not to mention the fact that if you're involved in this, you're banking up treasure in heaven. As you go back there and start reading those missionary letters, and you read uh, Brother John Hayes back there, water ministry. We picked him up last year at the end of the year. We've been supporting him for about a year. As he takes those water machines to places and literally purifies the water so those people can drink. He used that as a tool then so the missionaries can then get to them living water. Yeah. Have you been reading how many people have been getting saved in these countries because of those water machines? And because we've invested in that, when those folks get saved, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You're laying up treasure in heaven. And listen, folks, we could go through every single one of those missionary letters and talk about that. And all that to say, listen to me, be involved in the good work of giving. Be involved in that. By the way, you know how we're going to guarantee that building gets put up? Okay? And how God's going to provide for us in a, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a miraculous way where we don't have to borrow a ton of money? And I believe that, by the way. I believe that. Let me tell you how. You know how that's going to happen? What I believe it all depends what happens here in the next two weeks if we increase missions giving or not. You want that building to go up quicker? We better start giving more money to missions. Listen, I would love for us to pick up the five different missionaries that came through here. But in order to do that, you know what that means? We've got to increase our missions giving by $500 a month. By the way, last year we gave over $30,000 to missions. What, what, what a blessing. Amen? But that's the tip of the iceberg. Amen? So that means this. When we hand out those missions commitments here uh, in the next couple weeks, we need to have an increase $500 a month uh, on top of what we're already given so we can pick up five more missions. You're preaching. That don't make sense. Yeah, kind of like when Jesus fed 20,000 people, didn't make human sense with five loaves and two fishes. That doesn't make sense. Kind of like God provided food and water for three million people daily, daily, in the middle of a wilderness. Yeah, that don't make sense. Listen to me. Thank God we serve a God who doesn't make human sense. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, folks, I can numerically chart the growth of this church financially, numerically, by as much as we're investing in the souls of mankind. It's a numbers game. Truth be told, it's because God, God is a miracle-working God that keeps His Word and promises to provide. You say, you're just trying to get money out of this. No, I'm not trying to secure God's blessing upon you and our church. By the way, I put my money where my mouth is. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I don't not give the missions myself. I can just tell you right now. Okay? I, I'm not going to tell you what I give. It's nobody's business except me and God's business. But I'm just telling you right now, I put my money where my mouth is. It ain't just for me or just for you. It's for me as well. Right. Amen? And so all that to say, come on, church. Amen? Get involved in giving the missions. By the way, let me tell you what's amazing about this. It's called the power of the assembly. Okay? Think of, if we're trying, let's just throw that out there. $500 a month. Okay? I don't know exactly how many individuals give individually in this church as far as, you know, some are family units, some are more individuals. But let's just say there's 20, okay? 20 giving. Now, 
I'm not going to put myself on the spot here. Someone can pull out their phone and do the math for me real quick. All right. So uh, if there's 20 giving individuals and we're trying to raise $500 a month, someone do the math for me. What is that? 25 bucks a person, right? That, am I right on that, Brother Dave? Help me out with that. All right, you're just starting. All right. Put myself on the spot here. I was a math teacher for 12 years. And I said, How much? $20. Okay. $25. 25 There you go. Okay. Between 20 and 25 whatever. You don't think that any of us could spare $25 a month? Let me tell you, we spend more on that at Donut Bank a week. I don't. Some of you might. <laughs> but it may not be Donut Bank, but it's Arby's, Lupe's, whatever you want to say. You can't tell me that we can't collectively sacrifice to get five more missionaries on the field and secure God's blessing in this church for the future. I mean, come on, folks. Think about it. It's not really that hard. It's not else to another church. But I just got word of another church who just had a missions month. And their church, now again, I'm, we're not comparing ourselves to them. I'm just telling you what other Christians are doing. Okay? And I'm not going to tell you what church it was. But it's a church a little bit bigger than ours. Not three times our size, maybe twice our size. That increased their missions giving $52,000 a year. Because they got it. Now, I'm not saying we're going to do that. Okay? All I'm saying is this. We can do something, can we not? Yes, sir. And as we do it, see what God does for us. Okay, I'm going to embarrass my son here for a minute. I don't usually give personal illustrations unless it's something you know I can make fun of him about, all right? But uh, Jeremiah just bought his first car back in January. And he told me, he says, you know, Dad, a year ago at this time, I only had, uh, what was it, $1,000? $1,000 in my, in my savings account. He says, I upped my missions giving this year, and he was able to pay cash. $7,000 for the car he just bought two months ago. And he said, Dad, I up my missions. Look what God said. He gave me seven times as much money as I have. Wow. Now listen, we're not given to get. That's not why we're doing it. But I'll just tell you right now, if you give out of obedience because you have a love for God and want to serve God and see secure God's blessings on your life, listen, folks, God can't help. He binds himself to his word. He promises that he will take care of it. Now listen, this is not some health and wealth gospel here. I'm not telling you that if you give, God will make you a millionaire. That's a bunch of hogwash. Right. But I'll just tell you this. God blesses those who gets involved in missions giving. Now listen, I don't say this stuff every week. You know, I get accused enough of always talking about money. You know, it's amazing to me. The people who are the biggest experts are the ones that casually attend church here. Amen? You know, show up once a month and all of a sudden, all you're doing is trying to get is money. Amen? Well, listen, that's not true at all. Amen? But I am trying to secure God's blessing on this church. I am showing you the biblical pattern and and the number pattern for our particular assembly in the past, what God has done. Amen? So listen to me, folks. To me, it's a no-stinking brainer getting involved in this together. You know what I call it? I call it this, spiritual insurance. We have insurance for anything and everything, right? Listen, if I didn't have to buy insurance, I probably would be a millionaire. I'm not joking. Insurance is ridiculous. From all the different insurance. Look, we got insurance for everything, do we not? Why would you not want some spiritual insurance? You know how to guarantee God taking care of you? Get involved, tithing, giving your missions, giving, giving to the building fund, give in the areas God says to give. God promises he'll take care of you. Amen? All right. And then I got one more. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to preach it because I know we're out of time. We see this the good work of gathering, the good work of going, the good work of giving. And the good work of gathering. Listen, folks, there's coming a day of gathering. I can tell you that. 
coming a day where we're going to gather. The Bible says in Psalms 126, verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now listen, if you want to have something in the harvest, you've got to put something in the ground. Right? No farmer, no farmer is expecting a harvest in the fall if he doesn't have planting season in the spring. No, no farmer expects it. Listen, if they don't go out and do the work, plow the field, fertilize the field, plant the seed, they ain't getting nothing in the fall. Amen? And if we as Christians don't go out and work the ground, and as the Bible says, plant the precious seed, which is the Word of God, by the way. Amen? Plant it. Don't expect an increase when you get to heaven. Don't expect a harvest. Amen? And so listen, folks, there is coming a day of gathering, but only for those that spend time planting and watering and working it. Amen? And so I hope this morning I've kind of made this uh, on a practical level for you and helped you understand the importance. Amen? And let me tell you something, folks, there's nothing like getting involved in the work of God. There ain't nothing like it. And I know this morning I've kind of highlighted the fact that, you know, if we do it, God will provide for us. But let me tell you, the real reason to do it is because people are going to spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or hell. There is no in-between. Okay? There is no, you know, other state of unconsciousness or all these other crazy beliefs people have. No. If you die without Christ, you go to hell. Period. I don't care if you're a church member. I don't care if you've been baptized because those things are what saves you. Amen? The only thing that saves you is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And most of the world don't know Jesus Christ in that personal way. So we got a job to do. Amen? And so let's be involved in the good work of missions.